Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope to help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Are you ready to podcast? Yes, you are. Here we go with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast. I just made that up on the spot dial up. Uh, so here we are presenting uh, you another high impact man to bring his story to hopefully encourage and inspire uh, guys out there to be more virtuous leaders and bring hope to guys that need it. And uh, whatever it is that you need to hear out there, we, uh, we just uh, pray that it works. And uh, we, we just have a lot of fun doing this. Uh, we got uh, F3 Nomad, uh, Russ Fryer from uh, out in Arkansas. We're going to talk to him today. He's an Nantan out there and he's going to fill us in on his story. Uh, uh, makes him a high impact man and uh, get to know him a little bit better. And y'all out there and in, in the country and around the world that are listening, you get to, to know about uh, this man and his story. Um, I am Nevin Gorky. I'm your host, uh, otherwise known as Dfib in the dial. Yeah, in the dial up in the gloom. <laughs> so my F three brothers and I am joined as always by my co-hosts Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial Up. Dial Up, how you doing, man? I'm known as Dial Up in the Dfib. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place here today. I'm on night shift, so I'm sleep deprived. Um, yeah, hey, uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but as we're recording it, it is week zero of the Iron Packs Challenge. Yeah. 2022. Yeah. Uh, and I and have, you've done it. Yeah, I've done the week zero challenge. Uh, the rest of my mates here in the Susquehanna Valley haven't done it yet because we do it on Saturday mornings as yeah. a group, but I have to work this weekend. So, uh, so I did it last night in the rain. And I could tell you, as with most Iron Packs Challenge workouts, it was hard. Almost splash Merlot multiple times. Never have done an easy Iron Packs Challenge. Never have done an easy Iron Packs Challenge. Sure. But but, uh, but anyway, um, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, the rest of the team today, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, trash talk on Slack and trying to finagle ways to do it faster. So they all want to do it on the pavement now. I did it in the, in the rain on the field in the wet mud. But, you know, whatever. An asterisk goes next to their times, right? No, no, because the <laughs> instructional video uh-huh. was performed on an asphalt parking lot. All right, okay, you know, whatever you need, you know, whatever you so need. So if the guys in in, in uh, Greenwood yeah, do it on asphalt, asphalt's good enough, good enough for us up here. You know, I hope there's some talk about that this Plus week. Plus our AO just, like, they just repaved the whole parking lot, like, for us. You're going to take advantage of yeah, that. I think the taxpayers, yeah. like, right. repaved that for us, so we should take advantage of it. Not only, not only did I do it in the rain and the mud, but... My my coupon was soaking wet, and I brought it home and weighed it. I'm supposed to weigh thirty five pounds. Mine was thirty seven. So um, it's supposed to be a minimum of thirty five pounds. Yeah, well, it was thirty seven. So no no whining. I'm gonna go out there before you guys show up Saturday and hose them all down. Much <laughs> <laughs> of there's any members of our packs that go over there and like weigh all the coupons and see which ones <laughs> the lightest of all of them. It's like I got I got to use the one that has the red paint on it. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chip a little bit off of it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, here we go uh, to introduce our guest. This is, as I said, Russ Fryer. He's known as Nomad in the Gloom. So, Nomad, welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. Hey guys, great to be here with you. And um, and I can also say that I have also done week zero of the Iron Packs Challenge. Uh, did it this morning with a group of uh, twelve other him, and um, we did it on actually not turf, not grass, but a a rubber track. Um, so it Ooh. was. Uh, I, w- I would highly recommend that. It, it worked out very well for the burpees and also helped you kind of spring a little bit. Wow, the- a little extra bounce they, there. I, they've got, so they're taking, like, that's taking another that's level. That's another right? level. That's two asterisks, by yeah. the way. So that's like the the grip 
<laughs> effect of the asphalt and then uh, the, the little bit of springage and softer. Oh, I know. I know. The, Believe uh, me. From it the was, rubber track. I, what I did was treacherous. So I'm tougher. All right. We might have to go up to the high school track and do this now. <laughs> All right. We got it. You just wait, gave an idea. <laughs> wait, you didn't mention your time. All right. What was your time? Nomad, what was uh, your time? 27.49. Dang. <laughs> dang. That's fast. All righty then. I'm not going to tell you my time. He was done and had a snack before you finished. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I was happy to get done uh, before the time hit my age. So that was that was good for me. On the last, hey, it's all about you. yeah, the the last uh, set of thrusters was that was I looked at my watch and on leading up to that, uh, I wanted to I was hoping to get in the fifties and I thought fifty six I'm going to be fifty six in a week and I thought well this weekend and I thought well. If I get 56, that'd be pretty good because I had no frame of reference as to how fast these things were. And I am terrible at bear crawls and burpees because of my back, but I did them. And uh, anyway, I got in in 49.33, so I was really excited about that. All a matter of perspective, isn't it? It is about perspective. I wonder what Captain Tuttle would have done it in. (laughs) We didn't bring back Captain Tuttle this year. Captain Tuttle is gone. We made up a character last year and submitted him and his scores and put in these ridiculous scores thinking that Everyone's sure. going to be like, what the heck is this up with this guy? We even came up with a backstory for him and everything. <laughs> surely he would win. Wonderful. Yeah, and surely he would win. It took to what, the last week we finally put in a score that he won because we put in scores that there's no way anybody, this is like, everybody would say there's no way he could do that. But yeah, there'd be like 10 guys that had faster scores than him. So <laughs> our made up guy with ridiculously low scores was getting beat. So, yeah. you know, take that for what it's worth out there. In F3 land. You can't take the scores too serious, as I told. No, you can't. Because there's, yeah. It's you against you. Right. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know what F3 is, F3 stands for Fitness Fellowship and Faith. If you're not a part of F3, then what are you waiting for? Um, but I got to tell you about it. Uh, the fitness part is what draws guys in. We do these hard workouts. Always has to be outside no matter what the weather. It is free of charge and open to all men. And we always end in a circle of trust, uh, which is what separates us from everything else besides the fact that it's free and we do it out in the rain and the cold and everything else. Um and so that's what F3 is all about. It's about bringing guys together, and the mission is to invigorate male community leadership. And we're just hoping to, to change the culture uh, by helping each guy get better and continue to accelerate. So that's what F3 is about. It's been a, a really awesome thing. It's growing like crazy. We're on like four or five continents now. And that's what F3 is, y'all. So if you don't know about it, go look it up, F3Nation.com. This episode of the High Impact Man Podcast brought to you by F3. Although nobody gets paid because it's free. That's true. So we get no money for get, that endorsement. We get nothing for this, yeah. right? Yeah. We're not even a part of the F3 we're, official production. We're free endorsers. Yeah. We, that's right. <laughs> maybe someday they'll buy us out. Yeah, maybe. All right. So Nomad, tell <laughs> wouldn't, us. Wouldn't cost a whole lot. No. It was, <laughs> no. If they, if they give me the money to supply the snacks that I have, that'd be good. <laughs> I think you get paid in burpees. Is that how it works? Oh, yeah. That'd yeah. be great. Hey, that's, that's fine. If they would have given me like, you know, 20, well, I don't know how many I did yesterday. How many did I do? You should have done like 27-ish. You got it through three cycles, Yeah, 27 right? burpees. Three, if they paid me 27 burpees, I would have been a lot faster. Yeah, nine, yeah it's 27, right. It takes me a while to get down and up. All right, so Nomad, tell us, when did you get involved with F3? Who EH'd you? And how'd you get the name Nomad? Great questions. Uh, let's see, I've been posting at F3 for two and a half years now. Uh, started in the height of the pandemic in May of 2020. Um Got EH by a guy named Doughboy, uh, who is a uh, PAX here locally. I actually work with, with Doughboy. And uh, he, uh, of course, I didn't say yes the first time he asked. 
Um, he asked uh, in the fall of 2019, uh, actually, uh, Ephraim Northwest Arkansas started in April of 2019, and um, he, he, he invited me later that fall. I said no, um, and then uh, we were with another coworker at one point, and he kind of, he said, yeah, you know, I invited uh, Russ out to this, uh, this, this workout group, F3, and, um, you know, it just kind of went on from there. Um, uh, he, he let a little, let it cool down for a little bit in uh, pandemic hits. And I used to be a really big tennis player. So I played four or five times a week, um, several hours at a time. You know, I was always had these marathon matches. And, um, you know, at that time I had a, we still have a young family, but um, I had a, a year and a half old daughter. And um, anytime I'd go play, it was two and a half hours. And to take out, you know, do that five times a week to take it out of the evenings and the weekends away from family was just always extremely tough. Mm-hmm. So um, he asked again one day um, I was, I was in the area and I just texted him. I said, Hey man, can we, I, I was like, no boy, let's uh, at that time I didn't know his, his, his F3 name. And uh, we got together in his driveway, just popped up a couple of uh, chairs and just kind of caught up on life and work and everything. And um, he said, you know, I've invited you before, but there's this, thing called F3 and, and, you know, I know you're not playing as much tennis as you used to, but um, we'd love, I'd love to have you out tomorrow morning. This was on a Friday afternoon at you know, 3.30, uh, somewhere in there. And um, and for whatever reason, I said no, and I kind of blew him off, got all the way to the, the car, start to drive away, and I just, like, put my foot on the brake, and I just remember sitting there, and like, you know, why did I blow him off? Like, it, it, he's, he's, you know, a good guy. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure that this thing's worthwhile if he's still doing it. And um, so I texted him right then and there. I said, man, just tell me where, where and when to be and, and I'll be there. And so the next morning I met Doughboy out at, uh, this was in May of 2020. That was my first post. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been on since then. So that's, uh, that's kind of how, how I came to F3. At the end of my first workout, as, as every PAX uh, learns, uh, I didn't know until the end that I was about to get a name mm-hmm. and I get through it, thrown in the middle of the circle and um, start getting asked questions about, about me, you know, what I do and all this stuff. And I think that uh, as I think the free to lead book kind of prompts you, uh, you know, if you bring uh, an FNG, you should kind of give the, the workout cue a little bit of a heads up about the guy and help prompt the questions and that kind of thing. And so he, um, one of the questions I got asked was how many times have you moved? And um, when our family moved out here to Arkansas, it was my eighth move with the company that I'm, that I'm currently with. Uh, and at that point it was eight moves in eight years. And so um, hence the name nomad. And so um, actually there's a funny connect, there's a, there's a connection here. So um, which you may or may not be aware of, but um, I used to live in Pennsylvania, actually about an hour and a half South of you guys in Harrisburg. And that's where I met my wife. Yeah, uh, she's from Mechanicsburg, uh-huh. and um, and then I, we actually have a dog that we uh, we got from Dornsite. So uh, oh, it's even closer of, to us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so a little connection there for to the with a Pennsylvania connection, but um, yeah. So that's that's kind of how I got the name. That's how I got started with F three and the whole the whole deal. Yeah. So you, so you know where Danville is? Yeah. Yes. What about an hour and a half north of Harrisburg? I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's that's right. Maybe a little less than an hour and a half. Th- does your wife still have family in Mechanicsburg? She does. Her parents live there, and her sister and husband uh, moved there a couple of years ago um, from DC. So, uh, and then sister, and husband have three three boys. So that she, yeah, got a good bit of family that's still 
lives up there in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've got a region down in Harrisburg. Yeah. They so do. Sometime yeah. you're visiting. Yeah. You should hit those guys up and, uh, or come in town for the Pennsylvania the convergence, convergence, baby, yeah. the Keystone convergence. <laughs> we did, so we, two years ago, uh, last summer, we had our first Keystone convergence to bring in all the packs from Pennsylvania, all the regions together, uh, for a weekend, uh, for a beat down and uh, service project and, uh, overnight rock and things like that. So, uh, this year was the second time we did it, uh, and we're uh, about to meet again to plan the next one, the third one. So, yeah, it's really cool. We had 56 guys or something. Yeah, it's been mid, like mid-June the, last, the first two years. Right? Yeah, we're, we're talking about maybe changing the time that we do it because there's a lot of guys on vacation, and maybe we could pick a different time of year, but we haven't made any decisions yet. But anyway, that's what it is. Yeah, it sounds great. I, I love uh, Grow Rucks, and I've done a Go Ruck, and I, I love those types of events. So you, you had me at overnight rock event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not as obviously not as taxing as a Grow Ruck. It's it's basically just the walking. There's not a lot of other stuff going on, um, but uh, but it's cool. I, I haven't done the overnight ruck yet. Uh, two years I couldn't do it because of work and stuff. But uh, but I have done the Saturday morning beatdowns and stuff. So yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, you are into it, man. So you start at the same time we planted the shovel flag here. We we planted the shovel flag officially in May of 2020, and that's when you started with F3. And uh, oh. now it took you not that long to become the Nantan. How'd that happen? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I, I became a site queue within three months of uh, posting. Uh, and, you know, our, our region has... Um, is growing, uh, but it's not one of the biggest regions out there. Um, and at the time, we, we only had two two days a week that um, two two workouts a week. And uh, in our, our I think our SLT meeting or our first uh, where we were kind of having elections was there were five, it was like five or six of us at Cracker Barrel one day, and um, and you know I got kind of voluntold to be a site queue uh, because we were opening a new site or making our third workout each week uh, up in Bentonville, which is uh, where where I live in Arkansas, which is the home of uh, home of Walmart and and also uh, the home of the Arkansas Razorback football team up in Fayetteville. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of how I got started in leadership, not knowing that it was a leadership organization, but uh, quickly being uh, thrust into um, being asked into a, a leadership role and uh, serving the region and um, kind of. Uh, we we have an annual, I don't know how, how every region does it, but we have an annual kind of turnover in leadership. So like it or not, you've got 52 weeks to get what you want to get done and um, and then identify the next man up and train him and, and make that transition happen. So I moved in um, from, gosh, from a site queue to the weasel shaker the next year. And, um, and then I did that up until uh, July of this year. And, and became Nantan this July, so um, uh, whole maybe sixty days, not even into it. So. Wow, that's so you get a year. We don't I have can, any rules. I can see the wheels are spinning in your head, right? <laughs> You're like, hey, this is my way of getting well, out of being an Nantan. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm the Nantan because I planted the shovel flag, and it's been a little over two years. And uh, I and, think for and like, Andy does an awesome job. <laughs> I think for like the last six months, I've been like, guys, we got to start thinking about stepping down and for my SLT. You know, and, and find new guys to build up and that kind of thing. And I was like, well, you're going to be the Nantan. We're not being Nantan. So anyway, somebody's going to be the Nantan eventually. Yeah. But yeah, we have no rules. Yeah. I don't know. There you go. Implement a new rule of um, of, a, of a year and, and make it a uh, hard change. And, uh, you know, sometimes, and this, at least this is what I found, 
I, I didn't really want to be Nantan. It was not something that I had uh, in in my vision. Uh, I just enjoyed getting to know the the guys helping kind of um, accelerate the region. I was I was I uh, saw the saw the Grow Rock. We went up to a Grow Rock in St. Louis last year and um, just kind of was getting involved in different things and um, and just started kind of helping push the region forward and uh, you know then uh, our current Nantan and uh and our and the one before that were like you know you really need to be nantan this next next go round and uh it was uh kind of out of uh another voluntoldism i guess you could yeah um, i got i got humbled and honored to have the opportunity now so um it's 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 been um yeah it's been awesome and our our region has just seen just crazy growth this year which has been amazing um actually we hosted a grow ruck in may of this year so that was my second grow ruck yeah that, uh, that I attended and being a host region for a grow rock is a crazy experience because it definitely uh, makes you think and see about all the um, ins and outs of a grow rock and hosting that type of event that um, you don't really think about when you're participating, you just kind of show up and you're, right. you're there and you're enjoying it. And uh, as a, as a host region, you really have to pull together and um, it, it involves everybody. And so you're doing outreach, you're working with other organizations in the community and, and really that's what helps grow a region. And if I, if, if, if I, um, if I could say anything about it, um, I would encourage every region to consider it because, um, it, it just brings the guys tighter together. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've seen as an, as a result of it, not necessarily the, it was our goal, but a result of it was just amazing growth. And we, we had seven workouts the month before our grow ruck this year and we now have 14 workouts each week. So we, we saw hundred percent growth in the four months, uh, four months, uh, since. Uh, so now, so how did that happen? So guys that aren't part of F3 decide they're going to go out and do this crazy overnight killer thing called a grow ruck. You know, mo- most of the guys that said that they were going to do it, we had, um, about half the guys that were from other regions, you know, neighboring regions, Kansas city, St. Louis, um, Memphis, um, and then we had some guys from the nation that came in and then we had some guys from, uh, all over and, and, um, and one guy that drove out from Anaheim and made, I think it was a two or three day drive for him to come out here. And, um, but then we did have a few guys that were newer packs in our region that, I mean, we're talking about maybe a month or two in and they made the decision, uh, at least this, this one guy that I can think of right now, he made the decision the night before to do the overnight ruck event. Uh, he was just so inspired by dark helmets uh speech uh and and obviously if you've ever heard um dark helmet uh speak he's very um persuasive he's very um inspiring and um and this guy was like just super fired up and had like a one-on-one conversation with him after that um the the rally which is the friday night kind of uh, meet and greet yeah And, and he on the spot he uh he said all right i'll do it and he signed. He signed up. We get, we got him. Um, we we got him all squared away, and uh, he made it. I mean, you know, he didn't ha- have all the training that you should, and I would recommend you have before doing a grow rough. But um, he had the guts and the determination. And as long as you don't quit, you're going to make it. So, uh, yeah. For those of you out there who awesome. don't know what a grow ruck is, a bunch of crazy ex-military special forces guys 
started doing things with GORUCK. Well, the GORUCK founder was an ex-military guy. Basically, you put weighted backpack on on your body and you uh, walk around and for a long time and you do crazy exercises. And in, in the grow ruck for F3, it's focused on leadership. So there's other things that happen leading up to the overnight ruck, but they break up into platoons and do crazy stuff with you and make you carry logs and all that stuff. It's like a, a mini special forces uh, uh, boot camp kind of thing. Uh, but it's designed to develop leadership because guys take their turns leading platoon. I haven't done one yet and I want to, I just, had to get my back squared away. I got an injection a little while ago that makes me feel better than I was, so now I'm planning on it. We'll see. I, I got to get one in before my next back operation. So, yeah. so we'll see. He's training. He's but, getting ready. So now, when you when you brought the, when the grower came to to your region, were you the one that brought it there? Was that your idea? Say, hey, let's host one. I was one of the four guys that went up to the St. Louis region to to go and attend the grow rock. Yeah, and it was it was there that um, I, I would say all four of us really were. We're on fire. I ended up being the, the host queue for uh, the event queue for the uh, for our grow up, but it was it was really a team effort, and, and all four of us, um, I would say, brought it back. Yep. Cool. Well, wow. So you do you do uh, uh, definitely stand out as a guy that has you know the leadership potential. Everybody saw that, so that's why you're Nantan. And you grew. I mean, you grew uh, from seven aos to fourteen. That's impressive. Uh, so now. Let's back up a little bit. I usually ask guys, you know, where they grew up, what their what it was like growing up, where they grew up, and stuff like that. So, tell me about your family life and your growing up. Where'd you do that? How was that? Yeah, so I'm I'm originally from uh, Southwest Georgia, uh, a small town called Thomasville. Um, you know, if you ever heard of the band uh, Florida Georgia Line, I, I grew up on the Florida Georgia Line, uh-huh. about thirty minutes uh, north of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. And um, yeah, so uh, let's see, I, gr- I grew up there. Um, Went to college in in Macon, Georgia, at a university called uh, Mercer University. Heard of it? Yeah. And um, and 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 really, it was um, kind of my my upbringing. Um, you know, both my uncle and my grandfather worked for the company that I work for, and so um, throughout high school and college, I I uh, you know I never I always said I'm never going to work. You know, oh, I'm you know I'm never going to work there. It's just a summer job and. Every summer, I would go back to the same company, and uh, all of a sudden, you start to develop relationships and really just enjoy what you do and enjoy the people you work with. And um, they, you know, it's coming time for me to graduate from college, and I realized, you know what, I really enjoy this. This is this is great. And, and my grandparents were always a really big influence on me growing up, and um, and I admire my grandfather and admire him uh, today. And he, um, uh, you know, he was like, you know, you kind of need to commit if you're gonna if you're going to work for the company. And so, um, so I did. And, and my uncle, um, who at the time worked for the company said, you know, a great way to learn the business. He's like, you've had a lot of internships and great opportunities, but you know, really learning what we do, like from a base level, you really need to start out at, um, in at working kind of at the, at the bottom, uh, and, and just throw your name in the hat to go wherever they want you to go. So wherever there's a need. And he's like, um, be careful because when you say that you're willing to do that, you'll get that opportunity. And so I was like, yeah, sure. You know what, you know, whatever, where am I going to go? You know, Florida, you know, Alabama. And uh, so I, I did that. Uh, and the company I work for is, is a food manufacturing company. Uh, we, we produce bread and sweet baked good, goods products. And we have this, this network of independent distributor partners that delivers products door to door or door um, to, to the stores. Direct, uh, it's called DSD or direct store delivery. 
And um, so I threw my name in the hat to be uh, a part of the operations team that, that works on these routes that delivers this product door to door. And so um, uh, I had been working in one of our bakeries and doing, I just graduated college. Okay. I am, uh, you know, couldn't even wake up for an eight o'clock class, let alone like, you know, uh, you know, probably, you know, take, a, you know, barely take full time uh, courses. And, um, and I start working a 12 p.m. to 12, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, third shift at this bakery, um, just shipping product, mm-hmm. you know, taking it from off the line to um, tractor trailers and loading this truck. And, um, and so kind of as the story goes, I threw my name in the hat um, when it was coming time for me to graduate uh, college in the, at the end of that summer. And uh, they said, yeah, we've got an opportunity. Um, you know, it's up in um, Washington, D.C. And I was like, whoa, that was, uh, that was quick. And so I, I, had to, I think I had to report in like seven days or something like that. To, uh, so I, I went from um, the, the bakery that I worked at at the time was in, um, uh, was in Atlanta, Georgia, or Tucker, Georgia. And then um, I had to move up to D.C., drive up there and be there in like seven days. And so um, and then it was just on from there. And I just learned what, you know, what our company does from the ground floor, understanding, you know, how our distributor partners and our customers work together, uh, how we get product from A to B and, um, and all of the problems and all of the opportunities and all of the, um, the stress and everything that it takes to do all that. And then also saw a lot of the reward and the benefit and the, and the passion for the team members that are, I mean, completely unrelated in different parts of the country and just how they all work together. And it was just, it was just amazing. And so, um, uh, I've transitioned into um, a different part of, of our sales team um, now calling on um, uh, large retail customers. And, um, and so I, I do a different job than I used to, but having that, that, you know, beginning stages and the kind of understanding the, the base of the business has been super beneficial plus all the relationships that I built, but it took me eight, you know, eight moves to get out here to do that. And um, it's just, it was what a wild ride. Um, but I met my wife throughout all of those moves and when I moved to Pennsylvania and uh, I lived uh, at one point before we got married, I lived outside of um, Philadelphia in Westchester Yeah, yep. and then I moved out to Pittsburgh and was there for nine months and then moved to Harrisburg and uh, ended up being in Harrisburg for about four years before we moved back um, to Georgia together um, after we got married. And so, um, so yeah, anyway, that's, that's kind of, uh, I guess in a nutshell, kind of how I, um, grew up, kind of, you know, started my career, um, got married about five years ago. And, uh, uh, you know, part of part of my story, and I think what um, just something that I draw passion from, you know, every single day I draw, um, you know, and in, in inspiration is, um, you know, when we moved out here to Arkansas, uh, you know, started F3 in 2020, um, later that year, um, you know, one big part of my story that I always want to share because it's just been such an impact in my life is, um, you know, we, we had a daughter at the time who was a year and a half uh, old uh, when I started F3. And then uh, we had a son named Hudson. And um, in October of 2020, he ended up passing away. Um, and, we, and we didn't at the time know why. Um, and he, um, oh, it was a shock. You know, we didn't really see it coming. And um, in hindsight, you know, there were some some, some warning signs, but, uh, but, you know, even though my wife would, you know, bring them up to the pediatrician and things like that, they were dismissed as normal behavior. And, um, what we ended up finding, it took us about a year. Uh, it wasn't until last, uh, about a year ago, um, 
almost uh, last October that we um, we found out that um, our son at the time and that passed away um, had this disease, this ultra rare genetic disease called Tango two. And so a big part of my story and what, um, you know, I draw inspiration from and, and use, um, uh, that, that, you know, that God has written as part of my story that, um, is, is just this journey with Tango two and learning about it is a super new disease. It's something that was just discovered in 2016. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, so, um, through that, we actually, at the time, were pregnant with our third child, and, um, and, and his name is Cole, and he, he was born um, this past March. Um, he actually just turned five months old, and um, he also ha- um, has this disease, Tango 2, um, and, uh, and so it's, uh, you know, it, it's been you know, lear- a learning curve for us to understand what it's like to, um, to have that disease, how, to, how do you you know, how do you raise a child with it? And what are the things that, you know, can kind of help prevent the loss that we've, we've experienced. And so, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, of love woven into that F3. And part of the reason why I've grown, uh, you know, um, I'm such an advocate for F3 is the support structure mm-hmm. that it was for, for our family. And for me, um, if it wasn't for our church and for F3, um, I would have been, our family would have been in such a rough shape, um, when, when, uh, when we lost our son. So it's, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a really big piece of my story that I always want to share. Yeah. It's always, uh, yeah. So his name was Hunter Hudson. Hudson. I'm sorry. How old was he? Uh, five and a half months. Wow. I never heard of Tango too. Yeah. Like t- tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So it's an ultra rare genetic disease that is a metabolic condition. And really uh, what happens is the cells don't necessarily operate properly. Um, and so what's really important is nutrition. Nutrition and um, hydration can, um, if, if there's um, anything, um, if, if there isn't constant nutrition. So like our son, um, uh, Cole, who just turned five months we, I mean, we are still, even though he will, he would sleep through the night if we let him, we are um, getting him and feeding him every three hours to make sure that his nutrition is, is constant. Mm. And so a lot of times he'll be asleep and he'll eat while he's asleep, which is great because he gets to continue to sleep. But um, it's definitely been a, you know, at this point <laughs> with our previous two children, we were sleeping through the night probably, right. you know, in five months and you know, we were kind of back to a, a semi-normal uh, sleep schedule. But um, that's, so that's been an adjustment for us, but really, you know, it's, it's about, um, what we found is that there's not a lot known about it yeah. because it's so new. And so we've, um, my wife and I have just been so passionate about fundraising to help fund research, to learn about the disease more so that you can, uh, we can do, uh, genetic trials and all these things that can kind of point to, Hey, what are ways to, I don't know if you can ever cure it, but, um, you know, what are ways to, make it better and to avoid all these, you know, the, the, obviously the terrible uh, things that can happen. And, and so really what, uh, the body can react to like having lack of nutrition or consistent, um, hydration is a metabolic crisis. And so when your body goes into a metabolic crisis, it's, it can almost be like a seizure mm-hmm. or, or something that kind of just causes the body and, and, uh, to, to uh, react, uh, poorly to, to that situation. And what happens is, your 
um, you can have loss of motor function and almost um, backtrack in development. And so a lot of what you see with um, um, children with Tango 2 is a, um, um, you know, is, is developmental delays and things of that nature. Um, and, uh, and, and typically there are, it's, it's a shorter lifespan for, uh, for children with Tango 2. So wow. it's, uh, that's, that's kind of what's all involved. Yeah. Your daughter doesn't have it. So she's a carrier. So both, um, you know, I, uh, learned a lot. And uh, what I'd say is our, my wife and I are both carriers and the fact that we're both carriers is extremely rare. And the fact that we were both carriers got married and had children was extremely, um, low probability. And, um, anytime, I guess it's anything genetic. It could be any type of trait. If one parent's a carrier and the other parent's a carrier, um, there's a 25% chance the child will have it or be affected, 50% chance that they'll get both copies of that affected gene and be affected by it, uh, or, or both copies of the gene be affected, and then a 25% chance that they won't even receive one copy. So it's like the child either gets both or gets one or gets none. Yeah. And so uh, there's probability you know, in, involved in that and, um, and, and, uh, and kind of a percentage it's broken out, but it's, um, 25, 50 or 25% chance. So our daughter got one copy and it is a carrier. So it's obviously something that she'll need to be conscious of uh, when and if she has children, yeah. but, um, but she is not right. How do they make the diagnosis? So that's a good question. So, um, we, um, man, just God's fingerprints are all throughout the story. You know, we, um, there were, there are probably today so many families that have been affected by this disease that don't even know it right. because what happens is they experience a loss. And sometimes it's just, um, a lot of families, you know, and I can't speak, you know, for all their reasons, but I can say a lot of families may either not choose to continue to find and search. I mean, but we were constantly talking to doctors and, and asking, um, genetic uh, counselors and, and people for help, like, Hey, help us find an answer. Because I would say, you know, um, you know, one thing that we were very conscious of, uh, is kind of the ditches that we would fall in after experiencing that loss, um, is guilt. We felt, and there was a, there was always a kind of a cycle back to guilt and feeling like, you know, Hey, we're, we're the parents, you know, it's our job to keep our kids yeah. alive, healthy, you know, and, and yeah. feeling like you, you failed, you failed Hudson, you know, and then because we didn't know why. And so and that was the other other one was, you know, feeling responsible and then feeling of the why. And so not it. No, not not being able to really answer the why. It was just so tough. And so um, we uh, ended up getting in, in contact with this one genetic counselor um, who we had worked with before. And she said, hey, you know, I'm just kind of an off comment at one point was like, Hey, there is this test that you can do. It's called a whole exome sequencing test and you, you can do it. It's really expensive and probably, probably not going to get an answer, but I'll push for it if you want it. And, um, we, we prayed about it and we said, absolutely. You know, if, if, it, if it means the possibility of getting an answer, we'll explore that. And my wife and I, um, you know, just said yes to this, uh, this woman, and named Jay, and she was a bulldog. I mean, she nobody wanted to give us this test. I mean, it was it was crazy. It's just you know, all we needed was a signature of somebody to approve ordering the, the test, and they wouldn't do it. 
So this whole XM sequencing test, we finally got it ordered and um, they had a, a data bank of DNA from our son and, um, and we sent in DNA and they, uh, that's how they did the testing and said, Hey, well, we, we got it. We got a result and this is, this is what it is. And so based on that diagnosis, um, they, they knew, you know, we've been working with a geneticist uh, and they are saying without a doubt, that's, that's the reason why, you know, um, your son passed. It may have been from complications to it, but that, the, this disease is why. And so um, obviously yeah. having that knowledge is good. Yeah. There's, there's more reason to do it than just for peace of mind and closure and everything, which is really important, but you have other children. Right. And so right. finding the, uh, the answer here now gave you the uh, knowledge, you know, to test your other children and then treat them accordingly. So that was you know, really important that that happened. I'm surprised it took so much trouble to get it. Yeah. And my wife, who was pregnant at the time, uh, we were we were both very scared. And we said, hey, well, how can we check? We can test this child. And so then we had to, uh, to we had a choice to make um, and, and another um, thing to pray about, which was this um uh it's a it's a procedure where they go in and they take some of the amniotic fluid so it's yeah. called an amniocentesis yep. and we actually elected to do it and um and that's how we determined even prior to birth so um one of the things that we uh, learned is actually we were the first family that that at least the foundation the, the tango 2 foundation is aware of that ha- has identified that they had a child with tango 2 prior to birth and so um, we started learning as much as we could, fundraising, trying to trying to be involved in the in the process, and um, working with the right geneticist, and and well, you know, learning everything that we can. And, and we, you know, I, I, every month or so, we get new information that adjusts vitamins that we give him, and things like that that um, you know have, have been shown to work. So it's yeah. um, it's been a wild ride. Wow, what's what's the uh, like fundraising site? Do you know, like? Can you spit it off the top of your head so our listeners can hear it? And we can we the can get Spiel, we can get Spielberg to put the link out there for yes, us Spielberg. on our website too. So since he's not here, we'll volunteer. We're for give that. him work to do. Yeah, just yeah. If you at some point here, yeah, like just uh, but just tell g- us. Give, yeah, what give, is it? Give, give a shout out to the up. site here. And so it's it's called the Tango Two Research dot org, and so um, the two is a number. So it's Tango T A N G O two, the number two, and then research dot org. And so that's where you can go to learn about the disease. You can go um, uh, to to uh, you know donate and to be be a part of that um, yeah that cause. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's fascinating. So it's I'm sh- I would guess that this is something that's been around forever. We're just finally getting a, an understanding of it. Uh, yeah. So one one of the things that we <laughs> we originally were our son uh, passed because of a sudden unexplained death. That's right. what they classified it as. Yeah. And so it's called a, a SUDI or sudden unexplained death of an infant. And you hear a lot about the SUDSI or, um, you know, sudden unexplained death of a child. And um, it just means that they don't know what it is. And so they put it in this bucket of it's sudden and unexplained. And I, I would completely agree with you that there's a, a large uh, or a percentage of, of those that were due to this or a similar type disease that just they were unaware of. And so, um, but you know, man, you know, bringing it back to F3, this is one of the things that just fires me up about the organization is, you know, you know, what a, just a a crazy, uh, crazy story. Um, there's a guy named Yazoo. He was our, 
he's the guy. He's the guy that started F3 Northwest Arkansas. And, and heck of a name, too, Yazoo. Yeah, uh, I couldn't help but chuckle. <laughs> yeah. His, his wife is from Yazoo City, uh, Arkansas. I think it's Yazoo City, Arkansas, Mississippi. Uh, anyway, one of those states. And uh, he, uh, uh, that's how he got the name. But he, um, he he's an ultra runner. He threw out there that he was going to do a, a long, and he never, I mean, this is just one of those, one of those God things that you look back and you're like, how did, why did this even happen and the timing of it? So our son passed on a Saturday and um, Saturday afternoon, he posted on Slack uh, that, hey, I've got, um, you know, I'm, I'm going on a run tomorrow. I'm probably going to go seven, eight miles uh, if anybody wants to go with me. And uh, this is the first time he's ever posted about going on a run or anything. And uh, at the time, I mean, I was, I, w- I can't, can't say I was an avid runner, uh, but, uh, but I, I enjoyed going on runs, but seven, eight miles is a little bit of a stretch for me, mm-hmm. uh, at the time. And I, uh, you know, I, I messaged him and I said, Hey man, I, I, am going to go on this run with you tomorrow. Um, but I'm just going to let you know, it's going to get really heavy. And he said, dude, you know, meet at my house. This is the time, this is the address and, and let's go. He's like, I'm all in. And so, um, like that morning was so therapeutic for me to go on that run with him. Uh, not only was it a great, you know, it's, uh, we ended up doing like seven miles, but, uh, you know, being able to just talk with him one-on-one and have him listen, have him pray with me and just um, cry together. And I mean, this is the day that happened. I mean, so, I mean, F3 was there, you know, um, that day. And so that next two, I told him, I said, man, um, I, I, I want to share this with, you know, my brothers, I want to share this with the rest of the region. And, um, at that point we had a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday workout. And so I said, I'm going to be there on Tuesday. It was on a Sunday and, uh, and I'm going to share. And so, you know, he, he pulled in, I mean, they didn't know why they were coming. I don't think, but you know, he pulled, he pulled in a lot of guys and, and that was, um, a great way for me and it was very healthy, but I just, I mean, that COT was, um, probably, you know, probably one of the, uh, toughest, but also the most um, rewarding COTs that I've ever been a part of. Mm. Just having those guys uh, be there with me and just listen, and uh, just know that I had guys that had my back. You know, yeah. And so, um, yeah. And that's just what F three. I mean, and, and and they did all kinds of, cr- of of awesome stuff after that as well. Like they created a shirt, they created a, a, a tribute workout, and just it took kind of took fire in the nation. And you know, my wife and I just got all kinds of pictures and texts from just all, all different regions and stuff like that. And it just, um, you know, anyway, that just kind of an overview of how, um, F3 was there during that time. And, um, so it's, you know, I'll never forget it. My wife still has all the photos that, that we got from all the boards that got and had the tribute workout on it. And it was just, just hit home, man. If, um, if I remember right, you, you guys are, are close to, maybe not a part of, but close to Lehigh Valley. And there's a, a guy named Tree Hugger that passed recently and there was a tribute yeah. workout. For that. And so anytime there's a, like a tribute workout, I mean, I am, I am all in and yeah. we'll do it like the next day that, that I hear about it just because, you know, um, you know, uh, it's just been something that I, I, I've been on the receiving end yeah. of like those pictures and hashtags and the texts and all that stuff on Twitter. And it's just, um, just amazing that how F3 steps in during, during times like that. And that's, and that's when you really understand, uh, what the, the, the second and when, when we're at our best and when the second and the third F right. components 
or leaned into. And, um, yeah, man. So that's, that's, that I wanted to share that today and I wanted to kind of, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Yeah. I'm really happy that you did. I, I didn't even know, you know, slow pitch recommended you coming on here and he said, you got a story to tell and you were not, you, you didn't divulge any of this before we, we started the podcast. So anyway, I, I'm, I, I'm certainly really happy that you were able to come on and share this and, and raise some awareness and, uh, and, get, and, and talk about it the way F3, you know, really helped you through this. Yeah, I, I was just searching through Slack. I, I swear we did the Hudson workout. Like, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, we probably did. I think Porky's led it. Sounds familiar. So, uh, cool, to, cool to meet you now. I know the yeah the story behind it. Um, so, tell me, uh, you, you said uh, your faith helped you get through this. Um Tell me about your faith journey. What's that like? Yeah, I, you know, um, there are times, you know, in, in your life where the your faith gets tested. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's you have two paths in front of you and it's um, you you walk away or you lean in. Mm. And um, and that's one of the things that has been. Um, I've God's always been there. You know, it's the old, old saying of, uh, you know, hey, I'm. I'm not close to God. Well, who moved, you know? And so, um, you know, God's always there. And one of the things that, um, th- you know, this, this whole story and, you know, my, my journey with F3 and uh, is all intertwined with my faith journey. Um, because coming in Northwest Arkansas, when we moved out here, I'd moved so many times had been uh, moved so quickly that it was always so difficult to get ingrained into the local community to get into a church and to find somewhere that, that works because by the time that, you know, uh, I got somewhere and I got settled, it was, it was time to move again. Yeah. And so there, there was a, a good period of time after college where, you know, I, I had really, um, I, you know, my faith was, I was, I was walking away from God and I didn't even, I wasn't even necessarily aware with uh, aware of it at the time I was working 75, 80 hours a week and, you know, just kind of getting by. And, it was uh, when we moved out here, um, my wife and I were like, you know, hey, finally, we're, we're going to be able to get somewhere for uh, and at that time. We, we were hoping it was a period of time that we could settle in somewhere. And we did. And, um, you know, we've uh, we've we've learned that when you are intentional about seeking God and your relationship with him and um, and and the hard part of that is consistently doing that, mm-hmm. that um you will be, you will recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to you more every day. And, and, and that voice will be there telling you what to do, you know, what God has in store for you. Yeah. And, um, and unless you're still and quiet enough and long enough and you, and you pay attention uh, and are intentional about paying attention to that, um, you know, I've, I am at least me firsthand, I've let life get in the way of that and, uh, and not. So that's really, um, you know, and F3 has helped me with that because it's kind of exposed me to, to men that are further along in their faith journey and their, their, their walk with God than I am. And that's helped. Um, I mean, the, you know, the proverbs of iron sharpens iron is, is so, so true. Um, not only from a, like a physical and, uh, you know, have I of, of course gotten, gotten uh, more physically fit, but, uh, but from a, a relation standpoint and a, and a faith standpoint, uh, F3 has just, you know, kind of helped, helped that by putting men in my life that are great examples of what, um, a Christ follower is. So, um, 
you know, my, my, my grandparents and, and my family were always really good examples of that. But when it's, it's kind of one of those things where you, when you move away and you're not as proximate, you know, there's, um, there's something about being proximate and that, that and, and we talk about it a lot in F3, but, um, you know, that's, uh, that's something that's always been uh, really important uh, to me. And, uh, and over time it's just kind of grown and developed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what it must look like for a bunch of men who are accelerating their fitness together to uh, journey together in this Christian walk, right? Yeah. And what could we accomplish in the church if the men would step up uh, and more men would step up in the, in the church, in the community, uh, putting their uh, feet to their faith, right? And stuff like that. That's, that's a great story, man. I really appreciate you yeah. sharing that. Oh, well, on, yep. a, on a lighter note, um, I'd like to talk about tennis because the U.S. Open is happening, and you are a <laughs> tennis player, right? You say you're a big tennis player. Did you play in school? I did, yeah. So I, I, play, I played in high school, uh, and then well, when I got to college, I had other priorities. But, um, but I did, yeah, I did play in high school and, and just uh, found a love for it at a younger young age um, and, and played in middle school as well and, um, and just um, really kind of, like like a lot of things in my life, as well as my faith journey, that kind of sat and and was dormant for about ten years, uh-huh. and then um, right around the same time that, um, you know, uh, that that all that happened, um, you know, I started picking up the tennis racket again, and it was um, tough to do that when you are cold for like ten years. Uh-huh. You know what to do, but your timing's off and your fitness. Like I was so out of shape, yeah, and um, and just you working 75, 80 hours a week, I was eating a lot of fast food. And yeah. so my nutrition was terrible. And so you, you know, all of these, all these factors you get out on the tennis court and I, uh, I like hurt my back and I couldn't even walk for two days, you know, after I got back out, out on the tennis court. So I love tennis. Uh, now kind of taking a little bit of a, that's kind of taking a back seat now that I found F3. Um, because I think I told you when I found F3, tennis was kind of, uh, one of those, well, I don't know if I got this far with it, but it was a piece of friction in our marriage just because I was <laughs> so much time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good yeah. chunk of time that you're not nights with your family. From six to eight o'clock. Yeah. Nights from six to eight o'clock, you know, and doing that, you know, four nights a week. And then on the weekends, taking up another three hours of family time. It, uh, it didn't go so well. That yeah. wasn't a, you know, that wasn't well received. And so when I found F3, it was, um, nobody's up in our, our house at five thirty in the morning, right. uh, in the morning. Um, yeah. that this is perfect, you know? And so it was yet another reason why, uh, F3 worked out so well, but I am, I do love tennis. I do, uh, you know, I, when I, when I catch that tennis bug, it's, it's hard to let go, but right. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sport that you can, you can play your whole life. Even when you, you, you play it and you don't play it for a little while and I'll take you a little bit of time to, to ramp back up and dust the cobwebs off the racket, but uh, it's it's a fun sport. Now, so when you hold were, on, go, yeah, oh, sorry, sure. I got two. So two things I got to ask. Yeah, All right, yeah. so yeah, you get up earlier, but do you get in trouble from your wife for going to bed earlier now <laughs> <laughs> too because you're tired? Right? We do. We do. <laughs> we do. It's like, well, it's yeah, great. Yeah, so, you get up now and you don't leave. You know, you don't leave your family for your workout. You're done before we even get out of bed. bed nine. But you're in bed at nine thirty. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think um, you know, in different different uh, seasons of life you have different uh, schedules and things like yeah. that but where we are our uh, our daughter goes to bed at eight o'clock you know and uh and so she's in bed and asleep by eight thirty, and we're uh you know we're taking care of our son 
you know, at that point. So we have a schedule that we follow and, you know, she, uh, I'm up to a certain point and then she's up after that. Right. And so, um, e- even though we may, you know, get ready and we were, we're, we're, uh, we're resting, there is uh, there's a schedule in place and we, we both are on the same page. And I think that's one thing we've, we've taken, um, some like marriage enrichment courses through the church. And one of the things that we, we learned about was expectations yeah. and like making sure that, um, you don't have them because having expectations, <laughs> especially the other partner is not aware of, you know, <laughs> yeah. because we're not mind readers. And so she can't, she doesn't know my expectations and I don't necessarily know her. So communication is tough. We do not, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we get it right all the time, but, but having schedules and, and having kind of that up, uh, understanding up front has definitely helped us. So no, I, at this point I don't get, I don't, I don't get yelled at for going to bed early, but, um, you know, but it, it is something that in this a season of life, I think, is, is work, working out for us. So, Yeah, and you all got to be more regimented because you're, you have to get up in the middle of the night with your son, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so I had the second question. So and I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I, I could probably just Google this and find out, but I got a tennis player right in front of me. Well, not right in front of me, on a Zoom call, Google call. Uh, anyway, that's not important. <laughs> tennis, all right? Why do they have the whacked-out scoring system? Like, why, why is it not just, like, 1, 2, 3, 4? Like, why is it 15, 30, 40, and then the whole deuce advantage thing? Like, wh- like why? Do you know? That's a really good question. I do not know. All right. I, I have to just that's, go. That's, that's a great question, though. And I, I'm sure that there's an awesome story behind it. Yeah. So I, yeah. It's just one of those things. That it just hit me as you, we were talking about tennis. I'm like. I actually looked that up years ago, and I knew the answer, and I have forgotten it. <laughs> That's one of the things that emptied my brain. I'm disappointed, yeah, because you normally once you digest something. Full of something, useless trivia, and that one yeah, I had, you, you, and it's gone. The whole love yeah. thing, you know, 15 love, 30 love. Yeah. For some reason, I think it has something to do with royalty. and It's probably some stupid European Playing thing, in front right? of kings and queens. Or, I can't remember, but that's uh, I'm really I'm, that's a really reach, reach for me. I'm That's way back in the memory banks. With, okay. But I don't know. I don't know that All for right, sure. We'll, we'll find out. We'll look it up after this. My show. question is, when you were playing in high school, did you break a lot of rackets? Because my friends and I started playing in college, and we broke a lot of rackets out of anger and frustration. Yeah, but your rackets were wooden back then. <laughs> Take it easy, Dialer. <laughs> <laughs> so where you were going with the question, uh, I, I thought you were talking about breaking the strings. At no, 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 no. Yeah. Throwing yeah, back in anger. That's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, not in high school. When I started back up after having a long break, yeah, um, I found a little bit of a temper that I did not had not seen before uh-huh. <laughs> out on the court. Uh, I may have broken a few rackets, uh, you know, uh, in, in the heat of the moment. Yep. Um, and, uh, and, and on the breaking the strings piece, uh, I learned, uh, that I actually like the strings a little bit looser so that, um, I actually don't, I don't break strings very often. Um, even when I do play, I mean, I'm, I might break them, you know, um, you know, once every couple of months or something like well, that. Well, my friends not- and I, yeah, we went through a couple of years where we were playing a lot of doubles on the weekends just for fun. Although it was never mm-hmm. for fun. It was cutthroat competitive, you know, um, and so, yeah. uh, there was, a, there was a lot of passion involved there. Uh, we got to a point where we could keep some rallies going and stuff, so it wasn't like just you know one hit and it's over. But uh, uh, we never actually got good enough to hit it well enough to break strings very much. Although I think I probably broke the racket before I would break the strings because I I paid for a lot of rackets. <laughs> After a while, I had to stop. I, I it, gave, it gave me some control because I didn't have money in college. I was much money in now, rackets back then. I think it was like thirty bucks I could buy a but, racket. And and was your first racket wooden? Um, we're not going to talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> hey, so was John we'll McEnroe. We'll okay? take that as a yes. All so right. was John McEnroe. 
Yeah. You said looser strings, looser strings. Is that, is that like better control, more spin on the ball kind of thing? Yeah. So um, you, you get more power if they're a little bit, well, it, it, there, there's kind of a range there, but um, you definitely can get some more control if the strings are looser. Um, you, 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 um, you can actually get some more power as well if they're not too loose, but if they are a little bit looser. Um, but uh, when you make them really tight, um, it's, it's, it's harder to get that control. You get less time on the ball. Yeah. That was my problem. My strings were too tight. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I yeah. knew it. I knew Absolutely. it. Absolutely knew it. Maybe your golf clubs are too tight too my then. golf clubs are too tight. <laughs> yeah. I have no control over that thing either. And I broke my last golf club a long time ago in anger, so they cost too much. So, And, and, and just like you're talking about marriage and managing expectations – so we have to manage expectations. I have to manage expectations when I go to the golf course because if I expect too much of myself, I, then I get upset. And now I've learned that I'm really not good at all and I'm probably never going to be real good. You accept it. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, I enjoy it, you know. The, the, heart, the, the worst thing is to start off playing well. Yeah. You know, you play the first three holes yeah. and I'm like one over, one over par after three holes. Like, hey, I could put together a good score. And then you have an eight and then you get mad. <clears throat> but anyway... I just need to get rid of the, the first 300 feet in front of the hole. Like once, <laughs> once I get close, I'm Dino's good. got a good short game. I'm, I'm a great short game. Yeah, he's I, got a good short uh, game. Yeah. Yeah, can't get off the tees, but it takes, he's got me, a good takes short me way game. too long to get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a great, it sounds like you guys are great scramble golfers together where you can hit well, it off the tee. No, we're not really that good at that either. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I guess it's, that, it's, that one we did, we, we actually did pretty good. We did well until, until the last like six holes when my back got too tired yeah because you kind of fell apart and then yeah yeah we lost I was the guy getting off the tees right you were you were carrying us to the greens and yeah, i was guys, carrying us once we yeah, got there but well, what are you gonna do oh well we had fun yeah yeah we had fun it was a good cause yeah absolutely so one more on the on one thing more thing on the tennis note and i probably shouldn't go here but it's Uh-oh. been bugging me a little bit. oh it's gonna be the covid no, vaccine no, thing no 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 oh, no, no, no. i don't go even, there. i know i i'm staying away from that i don't even know enough about it but um I have been following professional tennis for a while. I used to follow it, but I don't really follow it very much anymore. But Serena Williams is playing in the U.S. Open. She hasn't played for a while. She's 40. She's the greatest woman tennis player ever, right? I think it's really cool. I watched her first-round match. And I probably shouldn't say this because I really don't know all the details of what she's been going through, what has led up to now, and she's playing in this. But I'm thinking if I'm going in the U.S. Open, I'm going to get in a little better shape. Did you watch it at all? I have not. No, oh, okay. Well, then I probably shouldn't be sending this. All right, I retract that. Edit that. Spielberg, when you get this, I don't want to disparage uh, Serena. She could beat you up. <laughs> yeah, she could probably catch me too, so I probably can't run away from her. Yeah. Although I watched her play. She can't move her like she used to. But anyway, she won the first round. She's playing the number two seed tonight, so she's probably going to lose. But uh, anyway, enough about tennis. <laughs> well, that's what happens with all those professional athletes because they're in such a high pedestal and you have right. such high expectations for them that you're like, okay, this is – I've seen them play at this level. I want them to be there. And we all know that, you know, whether it's having a child or, or life, you know, life gets in the way or injuries, right. and, you know, over, over time your body's just not going to uh, bounce back like it used to. And so it's it, – it, it's always, I think, with, um, you know, having, and there you go with expectations again, having right. those expectations for the professional athletes is, you know, you put them at the high level that you expect them to play that you know, the whole time and it's not possible. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I, I'm rooting for her. And she, really well, am. and she, she did yeah. recently put out, I can't remember the exact part of it. It was, it was a tweet, it was in an interview or just some, I, I don't remember where the, what the forum was that she put it out there, but 
she she made a reference to the to the fact of you know ha- having children her responsibilities for um you know raising the you know raising the kid taking care of the child um and, and kind of had noted that, you know could her career could have been different if she was a guy because the guy would have just kept playing tennis and the the woman would have taken care of the baby and everything. Well, but that's there what she supposed was supposed to be, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah, <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> Quote by DFib. Quote by DFib, not dial-up. And he was being sarcastic. Just to, <laughs> Hey, listen. <laughs> just in case the sarcasm did not come clear. Anybody that takes offense to that doesn't understand that that's the most important job in the world. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So, anyway. No, hey, she she's still in. Some people think she's the best tennis player ever, anyway, male yeah. or female. So whatever she did, incredible. She did, she did well. You know, it's really cool. I watched uh, the movie uh, documenting mostly about her dad, but uh, him bringing uh, up Venus and Serena, and uh, it was you know based on this whole true story thing, and and it was fascinating. He was pretty tough on him, wasn't he? Will Smith played the role well. The way it was portrayed. Uh, he he was tough on them, but it was but he loved them. Yeah, it wasn't like you know you got to perform for me or I won't love you kind of thing. And they loved him, and he had more than just two kids. He had a whole brood, right? And they all did really well. They all did really well in school. They were growing up in a tough neighborhood. He and he had to be a disciplinarian and to keep them out of trouble and help them excel in life. But he wrote out this long plan for his daughters, like really long in a in a notebook, step by step plan. And he did it, and it all came true. It's amazing. Even John McEnroe was interviewed uh, leading up to the first round of the U.S. Open, and he had met uh, Venus and Serena, Serena when they were kids, and they were just coming up. And he said that you know their dad had this plan. He told them at the time that they're going to be the uh, that that he he said Venus is going to be the best tennis player in the world when she hits the pros. Eventually, she'll make it the best tennis player. But he said Serena will be the best of all time, and that's what happened. That's pretty cool. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Enough about tennis, right? <laughs> yeah, so, talking about having a work and a plan. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to have a plan, right? Um, so, yeah, he did it. So, tell me, uh, F three leadership. What, what is your position exactly at work for the company you work for, which you have been very conspicuously not naming? Yeah. So, uh, well, I work for a company called Flower Foods. We produce, manufacture, uh, baked goods, um, sweet baked goods, and bread products. Um, most people don't know the name of the company, so that's why, you know. It's, it's, yeah, that's um, okay. It's yeah, I've heard of it. But, but you may know some of our brands. Living in Pennsylvania, um, Tasty Cake. Yeah. Oh, I got them in my refrigerator oh, upstairs. We got Mr. Tasty Cake on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Tasty Cakes in my fridge right now. I probably shouldn't, but I got them up there. Oh, hey, dang. night shift. I need sweets on night shift. Tasty Cakes. What are you going to do? Being on with the Pennsylvania boys, I should have said something about it earlier. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's, you mean that's, Tasty uh, Cake isn't outside Pennsylvania? It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what's your favorite tasty cake oh, product? The, the Tandy Cakes. The Tandy Cakes? Yeah. The chocolate peanut butter. Who, who can pass that up? Yeah. I, I definitely like the Tandy Cakes, but I will say people make homemade Tandy Cakes that might be a little bit better than than the product. I don't know. Well, I don't make them. But, but the Tandy Cakes are... I buy them at the store. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Well, I, I appreciate you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like butterscotch crimpets. Is that t- tasty cake? That's tasty cake. Yeah, I like butterscotch crumpets too. So you guys do the, the powdered donuts too, right? And the and the chocolate covered donuts. We do. Yep. So all right. Sorry, I'm gonna. I'm gonna all right, sorry, I'm gonna voice my complaint. I got the tandy cake guy. Whoa, okay, here we go. Uh, there's something different. No one ever knows you, you what's take, gonna happen on these podcasts. There's something different about the taste now that they're in the bags and not in the boxes. Oh boy. I don't mm. know what it is. Maybe it's just a mental thing with me. 
why don't eat those? But I don't know. Uh, like don't the, know. The, the the taste is just like slightly different. So like I, I don't know whether maybe you got to do something to preserve them differently now that they're packaged in. You know what I mean? The ba- like they used to be in like the little the boxes, right? Right. With a little clear thing you could see through. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm tracking with you, man. I yeah. just don't really buy those. Donuts. But now they come in the. What are you saying? I I, I just I buy anyway, the peanut butter now they, chocolate things. Okay, so now <laughs> now they come in the bags. They just, they just got a little different taste. I don't they I don't think maybe they stay quite as fresh in the bags. But anyway, I shouldn't be ta- shouldn't be talking hey, negative about your product. This is good feedback on the radio. I'm just giving you feedback while, yeah. while we got you. That's okay. Yeah, we we'll, we take any and all feedback and uh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Go back to the box, and it could be just something in my head. That I don't know. I think I'm a self-proclaimed connoisseur of tasty cake <laughs> donuts. <laughs> of course you. Are. Uh, so, All right. so that's my favorite. The, the chocolate, the chocolate covered mini donuts. Yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. This episode of the <laughs> brought to you by podcast tasty brought to you by tasty cake. <laughs> well, I, you know, I tell you, I think there's something to do yeah. with the container or the wrapper because Coca-Cola tastes a lot worse in a plastic bottle than it does in a glass bottle. And that's just a fact. And they have done studies. I think there's chemicals. I read it on Google. That's got to be true. There are like chemicals from the plastic that get in the Coke that makes it does, it does not taste good out of a plastic bottle. Yeah. And I just, if I won't buy it. And that's how you I'm get them you. usually. So yeah, you got to go like, a, you got to go to a grocery store if you want to in a specific place that sells them in the glass bottles to get, you know, and the aluminum cans aren't quite as good as the glass bottles either and don't even get me started on a mexican coke because that's the best that's the real coke i grew up with <laughs> don't know what they did to american coke but I'm, i've got a problem with how that did, how do we get here anyway nothing can be this a glass is important bottle, okay glass bottle, that's for sure no, that's right that's right yeah. all right so the reason i asked you that question was i wanted to i wanted to correlate your experience um at f3 and leadership and learning leadership with the grow ruck and that's the mission of f3 to invigorate male community leadership i want to see and ask you uh how is that uh, related and helped you with your, with your job and what you do, you know, in a leadership level there. Yeah. So, so at work, um, for, for flowers, I'm a national accounts director for the company. And, and so, um, basically I, uh, the way to kind of boil that down to what does that mean? I help marry the expectations and the, um, the desires of our company with that of the customer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, oh, it the really dial-up had a good you, question. Uh huh. That's right. And so, so really, um, you know, the, the, there's all initiatives within the company, products that we want to focus on, things of that nature. And then there's, there's desires and the needs of the customer and what they want to achieve. It's always about obviously growing sales, but how to do that is always the question. And so um, I guess to bring it back to F3 and what I've learned, I would say that there are a lot of principles in, um, in, in F3, but I, I would say the, the, one of the earliest things that I learned was if you get up and you do something hard to start your day, mm-hmm. having a difficult conversation or going the, the extra step on a project or, you know, approaching uh, somebody to, to have a conversation about their growth and development or, or things, things like that get easier when you start your day doing something hard. Because um, I think that there's a, um, a saying or a book that it's like calling, eat, calling it eat the frog where you, you wake up and you eat the frog. And, um, you know, you start that, you do something really hard and it's easy to, uh, it's easier the rest of the day because you, you've already done, you've already got, it's kind of like that whole, that whole make your bed when you wake up because you've already accomplished something. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the way I view F3. I've, I've already woke, woken up. I've accomplished, um, something pr- pretty difficult, especially this morning with the iron packs and, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, it gives me confidence the rest of the day. So, um, indirect, you know, directly through that, I, I would say that it is, it's, it's helped 
make me a better employee and a better leader within the company. Um, and it's also, you know, that's just kind of like an overall deal. And then I've, I've learned through GrowRuck or um, the QSource or, or different uh, methods through F3, um, different uh, leadership principles that, that I've been able to draw from. Um, and, and one of those that, um, you know, we've talked about a little bit so far, which is, is, is kind of the, that candor or that vulnerability, you know, of, hey, I want to know the truth and give me, ha- have that hard conversation with me. And, and I also want to give the truth to others. And that's not always that e- easy to do because it's easier to, you know, kind of gloss over, you know, errors or gloss over opportunities. And, and really that's where the rubber meets the road and, right. and you can make a lot of uh, progress you know, doing whatever you're doing. And so um, it's, it's things like that that, um, that I've, I've really learned and grown from uh, throughout my time with F3 that I've paired in with my, my, employ- uh, my you know, my work life and, and made me a better uh, employee and leader. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the virtue that brought, you brought up of candor in the QSource book, it's one of the five virtues of a leader, candor, commitment, consistency, contentment, and courage. Uh, I think candor is probably the toughest one uh, for mm-hmm. most guys. And actually, the last workout I queued, I used that as a theme, and we talked yeah. about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a definite challenge because because guys, you know, if you confront a guy face to face, it's usually all right, you know, put up our dukes kind of thing. So it's 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 hard for men to confront people. But if we do it in a loving way and respectfully and graciously, it is certainly what we should do as a leader. Um, the worst thing to happen is if you work at a place and you get uh, like a, a end of the year evaluation and no one tells you anything all year long that you're like messing up or something like that. Yeah. And at the end of the year, all of a sudden they're telling you where well, you messed up. That's just not fair. So it's much better mm-hmm. to be candid and open and address things immediately. Yeah. And I think the confidence, many of the guests we have on talk about the com- how their confidence has grown uh, as being part of F3. As you get more fit physically, it has an effect on you mentally and emotionally. And and, and, and that's, I think it's one of the things you're alluding to when you're talking about doing some hard things in the morning. Uh, the more you do that, you're like, hey, yeah, I accomplished that. And then your confidence level grows. Um, and, uh, and that's really cool. Um, yeah, I think one of the one of the things that, that we talk about at Grow Ruck is um, that an unfit man is unfit to lead. And so um, that, I mean, that, that, I think that comes as a byproduct of waking up every morning, taking the daily red pill, doing something hard, right. working your body. And, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, <laughs> it's crazy you talk about like grow rucks and, and CSOPs and, and running ultra marathons. I mean, I'm better shape than I was in high school. And uh, yep. I mean, just, I don't have the youth or the, uh, my body doesn't bounce back as quickly, you know, from injury and things like that. But I mean, from like a, physical ability. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely given me confidence um, due to all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that the whole age thing is relative. So if you look at me, you you just enjoy your youth right now because it only gets worse. Uh, but, but, you know, no matter what age you are, you got to get out there and get after it and keep, uh, keep doing these hard things and keep getting, and keep accelerating your fitness. Right. So there's no real excuse. Um, I mean, you know, some guys absolutely can't because of physical limitations, but uh, for most guys can do something. That's really, uh, I've heard that said a number of times. That always makes me, I, I agree with it, uh, but it's always a little bit of a cringe worthy statement. Like if an unfit man is not fit to lead, whoa, boy, there's a lot of unfit men out there trying to lead. And uh, yeah. there's some guys actually seem to be pretty good at it, but I, I get the point. An unfit man is not fit to lead. Yeah. All right. Um, so, sounds like we need to 
every time I talk to our one of our guests, I, I get inspired to do a grow ruck. There you go. Yeah. You're like I said, you're working at it. They haven't put out the schedule for 2023 yet. Like I can't do any of the other the ones remaining in 2022 because of work, but they keep, haven't put the schedule out yet. Keep training. Yeah. I'm training. We're trying to create a ruck culture here in our region, but it's it's uh, slow getting off the ground. A lot of guys with a lot of reasons they don't want to ruck. So um, we're working on it. We just developed. We just named a ruck queue, and he's he's just getting started with it. So we'll see. Awesome. Yeah, I'm just impressed by the dude that said, "Okay, I'll just do it." I mean, what did he do? Did he get an old backpack from school and throw a rock in it? I mean, you know, how did he how did he just decide to do the grow ruck all of a sudden? We, uh, we pulled together some equipment pretty quickly for him. And, um, and luckily, it's, it's one of those um, kind of uh, skeletons in the closet. Once you get into the rut culture, you kind of start to accumulate things and uh, you build your inventory. And so um, it's kind of like with anything, oh, I really need those, sh- those sh- boots. But that's really going to make me better, you know, doing this. No, I, I really need that, that, that rucksack and I need that that plate yeah okay and i also need the headlamp and you know you start to, to get this stuff and a lot of times you you know to uh, what is it uh the old saying is two is one and one is none and mm-hmm. so it's good to have a backup of things and so when you have a, a lot of high impact men that have backups for everything it's kind of easy to throw something together at the last minute for a guy that wants to do something hard so nice. um you because you want to bring him in you you want you want him to do it and uh and, and that's going to give him, him confidence and, and, and show other men, hey, this guy didn't even, I mean, this guy's been posting, you know, three times a week. Yeah. And guess what? He, he, he can do it. You can do it. Yeah, that's so. great. That's the community. That's the fellowship coming together. Uh, very nice. All right. One last question that we got to roll because we got another guy to bring on tonight. Um, the question awesome. is, and we ask all of our guests this, uh, this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What message do you have for the men of America? Show up, lean in, and live third. Nice. So I would say show up, lean in, live third, and start today. Because we, the, the, the world, our country, F3, your region, we on this call need men to be men, and we need men to step up and to be the leaders that, um, that, that God has called you to be. And it doesn't matter. And I say show up and lean in because um, we don't all have the answers, right? right? We don't always know what to do. But um, being there and being present and showing up is sometimes all you need to do because that's all somebody needs sometimes is somebody to be there and listen and, and, and to be um, that support for them. And, uh, and I think that that's uh, naturally – that comes out of that is the byproduct of what um, is, is that leadership development and the things that you don't, you don't show up intending for to happen, but that, but they do. And, um, and I think that um, you may think, Oh, I'm going to, I need to get fit before I, I show up to F3 or I need to, uh, I need, I need to get better at this or I need to do that. There's never going to be a perfect time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I talked to a buddy earlier today that um, I, w- I went to college with, and he came out to, to Northwest Arkansas, and he um, <clears throat> he he, uh, he came out with his family. They road tripped it out, and uh, he went to a workout with us, and he was blown away. He's like, "Man, this is amazing!" Mm-hmm. So when he got back to Florida, where he's from, there wasn't a region. He was he was let down, 
they had a guy that moved to his area, started it up, and 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 so they basically him and another guy that are posting on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's the only days that work for both of them, and they're just constantly trying to get guys out. And he's worried, you know, he had a he had a concern about, you know, I just I don't want to invite this person yet because it's not we're not ready, and I don't want to invite these guys at church because it's going to get have too many guys out and we're not ready for that. And so I what you know my my advice there and my advice to to everybody is just show up lean in and, and start today. So, well, that is great advice, man. Show up, lean in yeah. and, uh, and, you know, just get after it, man. And, uh, and do it today. You know, as Duke told Rocky in Rocky four, there is no tomorrow. Right. right? So what we learned tonight, we learned that uh, tasty cakes, donuts need to go back in the box. <laughs> That's right. If you need a taste tester, yep. I'm your guy. You got him right there. <laughs> you got him right there. We also know, we also learned that, uh, uh, about something that I had never heard of before, and that's this Tango 2 uh, genetic disease. And I appreciate you coming on and, t- and making us aware of it, Nomad, and really, really uh, encouraged and inspired by how you handled it and how your faith has grown stronger and how you're leading your family through it. Um, and uh, you're an inspiration, uh, I'm sure, the men of your region and um, and guys now all around the world who will hear this podcast because we are listened to around the world. And I just wanted to kind of say here in closing, too, I I'm like, this workout is sounding familiar to me. And mm-hmm. it's been like two years. So like, you know, brain starts to lose things. I found the tweet. I figured you did. October 17th of 2000. We put the, we put the tweet out. Honor to be able to work hard and honor. Hashtag for Hudson during our beat down this morning. Thoughts and prayers go out to F3 Nomad. Nice. So how, Love it, man. how, how cool is that? Was I in that picture? Uh, you must have. You were probably working or something. No, yeah. you weren't there. Yeah, I got to retire. Uh, I can't remember who queued that day, but to to me, how cool! Like like when you mentioned that, I'm like, man, this sounds so familiar. But how cool to come full circle now? Right. You yeah. know, almost two years well, later. I'm humbled and honored that you yeah. guys did that. Two years and, later. And two years later to, to to have you on the podcast and and to get the chance for you to share the whole story. Right. Like we like we heard a little bit of it back then, but to, yeah. to hear the the whole story and the testimony of, of, you know, how your pack surrounded you, um, after, after his passing and how that it kind of helped you and, and with your faith and so many other things uh, cool, really, really cool. Yeah, it I is. It's it. really, yeah. Thank you. Thank almost, you for coming. Almost on. godlike, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. There, there are no coincidences. That's right. You got it. There's well, a plan. I appreciate everything. you guys. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on today. And I, and I have to say, I am, uh, I want to acknowledge you both for what you're doing. Um, you know, bringing on, men and telling stories to inspire others because um, there's a lot there's a lot going on out in the world today and the world needs more of what you guys are doing and so i just want to appreciate you for the uh the the impact that you're having uh on on men and the impact you've had on me because it's not just uh that men that come on and and are sharing stories that are that are impacting others i mean you are the vehicle that, that's driving that and i just want to appreciate you guys so wow. thank you well thank you very yeah, much thanks, we, we we have a lot of fun doing it um, and so we, you know, we're just prayerful that God uses it in whatever way he sees fit. Amen. Uh, well, thank you, Nomad. God bless you. Um, and you can always get a hold of us, man. If you ever, uh, need anything from us, whatever we could do for you as individuals or from our region or from the podcast, uh, please reach out to us. Okay. Appreciate that, brother. Thank you. All right. God All right. bless, man.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.